Welcome to the Athletes Mindset Academy podcast, where we help gymnastics coaches and parents develop happy, healthy athletes who know how to win. Let's get started. Hello and welcome everybody. This is Coach Stacy, and I'm here today with Coach Allie and we are talking this whole month about mastering your mind, different um, kind of psychology tools, sports psych tools, um, kind of some of our own versions of those tools uh, that we use to help you really get into your brain and use your brain to really help you um, get new skills, be more confident in competition, really become that person that you want to be. So this week, we are focusing in on the idea of, so last week, we, we really talked about the power of imagination and why visualization works. Um, we talked about some of the um, psychology behind it, some of the, you know, science behind it. Um, and then we talked about the idea of really imagining um, <clears throat> like a professional athlete doing the skill that you're afraid to do. So picking an athlete maybe that is your favorite or that has your same body type, someone that you really love and imagining them doing the skill. But then now this week, we're taking the next step of visualization and moving into imagining yourself doing the skill. So there's two kind of aspects to it. One is to first kind of start the process in your brain of morphing yourself into that athlete that you were imagining. Excuse me. So, um, Allie, you want to lead us off with that? Um, yeah. So you, we kind of talked about, um, what would this athlete be like? Like, who is this, um, imaginary athlete? So like, if you picked grace, or we said, usually it's like all the Olympians, right? So let's say we pick Grace and you start talking about like, who is she as a person? And like, what do you see in her? And how do you think she shows up at practice and start um, actually building this connection with this athlete? And then from there, it's a lot easier to start seeing similarities. It's funny because a lot of times, um, their favorite athlete is someone who they do see similarities in like, oh, I love that they are always smiling and I'm always smiling and I feel like I could be that person, right? It's because you're kind of connected to that person. And so when you can start making that almost like emotional connection to that gymnast and you can visualize them doing it, it can help you visualize yourself doing it next. And sometimes we don't always say that you want to pick just your favorite gymnast. Sometimes it can be easier if you pick a gymnast that looks like you or that a little bit more looks like you. Um, so picking someone who's blonde for me and picking someone that like, it might be easier to see that transition. It can really go either way. Uh, because the next step is going from visualizing them doing it as visualizing yourself from like a spectator perspective. And so you're actually seeing yourself do it in the same way that you saw that ideal athlete or that, um, that person who inspires you, because now we've gotten from this imagination world of seeing them do it, which is a lot easier because you believe they can do it and that's no problem. And then we start working on our belief that maybe it's possible that we can do it and then being able to see ourselves do it. And that's really going to be that next step to, um, 
really help yourself believe that it's possible because when you start seeing yourself fall, we talked about that last week too. When you start with yourself and you don't believe that you can do it, a lot of times that's when you see like yourself failing and falling and then you're continually practicing that that part of it. And so whenever that starts happening, go back to your ideal athlete or try another athlete that you think that might be easier to help yourself make that transition into watching you. Stacy, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think it's just that idea of this intermediate step before you're really imagining yourself doing it is, is trying to kind of get out of your head from the internal perspective of how it feels and just get that external perspective of what it might look like. And so you're, you're really engaging a different part of your brain of just that watcher. So what is it like to be the watcher of yourself doing the skill? Um, and yeah, you just kind of have to keep playing with this and popping back and forth. It's really important to first do the work of like imagining this, this pro athlete or this athlete that you really admire doing it. Like, um, I think you talked about this last week, Allie, but like the idea of like them doing it in your gym, them doing it with your grips on in your side, in your set of bars or them doing it in, if it's like, if you're trying to, if you're maybe afraid of the competition, like probably you've been to this gym that you're going to compete at or this arena that you're going to compete at, or you can see pictures of it. And so imagining them doing it there, they're wearing your team Leo. They're wearing your colors. They're wearing a Leo you own, like start to try to kind of do this, like morphing first before you jump into then trying to just full on imagine yourself do it. Now, here's the thing. This process can take seconds, minutes, or months, you know, like the important part is to get to the place that your brain believes it. So if you get to the place that you can like get your brain to believe this imaginary world of, um, you know, Michaela Skinner doing the vault in your team, Leo, in your gym, um, you know, wearing your scrunchie (laughs) with your hairstyle, with your coach standing by giving her instructions then and you believe it and you can see it then start moving on to the next step um but is but it's important to really believe each step along the way yeah and like once you're there too okay so like you're going to get yourself to this place of visualizing you doing it and why this is so important is because now you can start watching the details once you believe that you can do it and you can watch that i mean you're your own coach in your mind right and so you can start thinking about like what form do i have what movement am i having what's my rhythm like the style the flow like what is actually happening physically and then also like start thinking into that level of, okay, what is going on mentally? Like, how would I be thinking and how would I be acting in order for this to happen? And so then you get to start being really curious about like, how did I get here? And what am I doing? That's making me so amazing at this. And that's going to help you transition into the third perspective, which um, it's really interesting because if you talk to someone who doesn't go through these steps, a lot of times you can hear that people can do one or the other. They can either watch themselves do it or 
they can see themselves in the movement and actually doing it. Like they actually see the vault or the bars and they're like what they see when they do it. And it's one or the other, but the, the big key is learning how to do both. When you can watch yourself and you can put yourself in it, then you are going to be stimulating the most similar and significant amounts of things coming from your brain, right? We talked about how you actually send the signals when you're doing the visualization and each perspective is going to be a little bit different. And so when you're able to hit all of them and do all three of them, it is this really cool, incredible experience. And you can almost like calm down because you're like, okay, I can see myself doing it. I can be in it and doing it. And you get to this relaxed level, but to get to being in a lot of times, the hardest one is to be actually in the skill, especially if it's something you haven't done, right? You're like, how in the world do I even know what it's going to happen? Um, that's you being curious when you're watching yourself doing it and starting to understand what's, what's actually going on physically and mentally. So Stacy, do you want to talk a little bit about the third perspective here? Of Yeah. Yeah. Being- so this, this third idea is like, it's feeling it, it's being in it, it's doing it. I almost love, like, I, I love those. Um, they, they make me dizzy. They make me sick, but the videos, when somebody like puts on a, a camera onto them and then does the skill, yep. you can look them up on YouTube. That might be helpful. Like, you know, layout, layout, step out or hands down on beam, whatever it might be and see if there's actually a video of somebody doing it with the camera that might be helpful for you, but chances are you've done the skill Like if it's something you're working on, you've done the drills to get there. And so you can at least envision what it feels like from the different drills that you've done. And so really working to visualize yourself doing it, not from a watcher perspective, but from a beer, a feeler, a doer perspective, imagine yourself doing it from the inside. What does it look like when you're going to do your series to be standing there on the beam? What are you looking at? You're in your gym. What's in front of you? What angle are you at? What do you see on the wall? Okay. Now you, you know, you sit and you go backwards. Okay. What does it look like to then see the ceiling above you? And then maybe see the, the beam under your hands, solid, your hands are on it. And then, you know, you rebound, push away with your hands. What does it feel like to then be spotting the beam and your foot landing on it and, and be seeing it from that visual perspective, but the more senses you can bring in the better. So what would it feel like when your legs push off? What would it feel like when your hands push away from the beam and then you hollow down? What would it feel like in your stomach? Um, And as you do that, you can really begin to then get yourself some key things. Like I remember coach Amy talks about for her series, it was like, she, she realized that whenever she pushed through her big right toe, I think it is that she always could then make it solid. There was just something about that, that movement for her. And so for you starting to feel like, what are those key movements that really make it successful? Oh, when I push all the way straight and I'm using a, a series on me, but you, you can do this for anything, any skill that you're trying to get. You can really do this idea of what does it feel like? I like to then like think through all of the senses. What does it smell like? Like, what does your gym smell like? Or maybe this competition arena? What is it? What are the noises that you hear? <laughs> 
said stinky chalk <laughs> usually chalk and stinky feet and sweat <laughs> but like I was at a gym in New Mexico and we had swamp coolers so it kind of smelled humid you know, and then I lived in, you know, where we had monsoons. And so a lot of times, especially like in the season where we were working on new skills, it, it was, it smelled like rain, you know? And so like, what does it smell like? Um, one of my gyms was in a farm town and it smelled like manure half the time. So yeah. that was fun. <laughs> what are the sounds that you're hearing around? And the same thing, like maybe you're fine doing the skill at your gym, but you're scared to do the skill in competition. And so then like, okay, what would it smell like at this place? Maybe you can smell the, you know, the food vendors that are like selling the hot dogs and crazy food that they sell at gymnastics meets where everybody's healthy. Anyways, um, you know, you smell the nacho cheese and you, you can hear the like floor music going on and like just bring in all the senses and then imagine yourself doing it with all of that coming in. The more realistic you can make it for your brain, the more those neural pathways will be strengthened. And then it will really do a lot to then help you do it. Because what happens is when you're able to really imagine it with a lot of detail and a lot of clarity, then when you get to the place, your brain's like, Oh, I've done this before. Mm -hmm. So that feeling that you (laughs) Yeah. I always tell gymnasts, I don't allow them to choose confidence as the feeling that they want to fuel themselves to do something new, because I'm always like confidence is, um, you feel confident when you know that you can do something because you have a lot of evidence in your past. And so using that emotion to fuel doing something new is difficult, but this is a way to cheat it. When you you're, you visualized it enough times, your brain actually is like, Oh, I'm totally confident I can do this because I've done it a hundred times. And so you can actually then create that feeling of confidence and that belief that you've done it by visualizing it. And your brain just doesn't know the difference. So it's a nice little brain hack to feel confident about something you haven't, haven't actually done yet. And I know we did mention this in the last one, but just like thinking about when uh, whenever you feel like, oh, I just didn't have time to get that in or to get that done. Well, this is, you have time now to get another version of this. You can mentally get that done and make way more progress than just saying I ran out of time at the gym. Yeah. And you can take that moment when you are not allowed to do as many reps because you're injured. And Stacy kind of brought that up in my past, right? Like I did lots of lots and lots of mental work and very little physical work. I do like a cold set. If I hit it, I was done. And then I would do tons of visualization and exercise and be a good teammate. And that's what I did to keep myself prepared. And I didn't go up ever thinking, oh my gosh, I only did this one time because I knew that I did it hundreds of times and not just, not just physically and in the gym, but mentally. And I just knew that there was no doubt that it didn't, it didn't matter because I knew that I could do it because mentally I could do it every time. And, and that's just a huge key point, whether you're injured, whether you just feel like you don't have time, whether you're just want to spend extra time trying to get those numbers in, whether you had a bad day at practice, maybe, and you want to finish on a strong note, that's a really good way to be like, okay, you know what? This did not go my way in practice. I'm going to go home. I'm going to visualize successful myself, successfully finishing the assignment. 
And that's going to have the same effect. Yeah. I was, I was sharing with Allie that back in the days where I was coaching gymnastics, we had, um, we did a lot on creating positive muscle memory. And so like we did a lot on numbers. You only could like, you had to do percentages of your numbers. So we would always do like five skills or 10 skills. You had to hit 80%. And if you hit less than 20%, you needed to like move back a step in the progression process. And we were strong on like, you cannot go home and keep and do more numbers because then you're going to weigh like skew those percentages. If you go home and you do, you know, like kids, you know, little kids, they love to like go home and do tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of the skill on their little, on their little beam, but they're doing it with poor form and they're doing it, you know, all of that. And so we like said, you're never allowed to do that. I think like this would have been so amazing to then give them this assignment instead. Like if you want to go home and you want to keep working on it, this is the way that you do it. Mm -hmm. So transitioning into advice for coaches, how do you coach on this? Um, One of the things that I want to say is this is a really like nuanced part of sports psych and it might be best just to send them to listen to this first part of the podcast. (laughs) Like if you're trying to get your athlete to learn how to do this part of visualization, you might just want to say like, Hey, go listen to this. Um, but Allie, as you think about coaching gymnasts, using some of these skills, what advice would you have for coaches on how to actually do this out on the floor? Um, well, a few things, uh, we actually, as a team used to turn off the lights and lay down at the beginning or at the end of practice sometimes. And our coach would like walk us through an entire visualization process of like, even just walking into the gym and opening the door and then going to the first event and order and like, like going through the entire process of, and then sometimes it was just like visualizing someone else and then you and changing perspectives and like actually just taking, I mean, it doesn't have to take a long time, right? You can stretch at the end and then quick lay down for maybe five minutes and you could walk them through a visualization of all three steps of watching someone, seeing yourself and getting yourself into it. And then sometimes it's just learning from that. Okay. Like where did you struggle? Okay. This is where we need to do some work. Um, another thing I would suggest is, um, I actually put it in assignments. Okay. You have to, you know, hit three, do max of six, whatever, like of all the skills. And at the, before you can rotate to the next event, you have to, um, practice your visualization. And I usually have like certain number of routines or skills or certain ways that allows them to practice because sometimes then, um, they're more willing to like ask you questions. That's when I have the girls come up to me and say like, Hey, I'm having a hard time visualizing myself doing this successfully. And then you are able to help them when you just send them off sometimes to go home and do it. They're not going to come back and be like, you know what? Mm. I'm really bad at this. <laughs> they eventually, eventually what will happen is you'll tell them to visualize sometime and it'll be like months later. And then they're going to be like, well, I'm just so bad at it. I can't do it. And it kind of ruins um, that process of you helping them through this part of it. And so I think including it in assignments and doing it as a team and like making it an actual part of their gymnastics is going to be really important because then when they do get 
injured, hopefully not, but it happens. Right. Or when something does come up, maybe they go on vacation. I did this on vacation too. Um, and I didn't want to find a gym and I just, you know, maybe did a little bit of conditioning in my room and then visualized. And I came back just, just fine. But Mm -hmm. if they don't know how to do those things, then it also becomes so much more dramatic. Do you have those gymnasts that like leave for a week and then think that they can't do anything ever again? Luckily that's getting better with the whole COVID thing. People realize they could be out for a while and like come back and still like function as a human, but, (laughs) but, uh, it's still one of those things where, um, using it as an actual tool, um, and making it a part of the gym and the practice in a way that, I mean, you could honestly even have them sit in their splits and visualize. It doesn't have to be, um, a half an hour ordeal. (laughs) Love it. Those are great ideas. Thanks so much for sharing. All right. Next week, we are going to keep on this topic of mastering your mind. So um, if you have any questions, drop them in the comments and uh, we look forward to continuing to guide you on this journey of of using these tools to master your mind uh, in the gym. So we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We believe that you've got this, but we would love to help you in your athletic journey. We know you need to get maximum results in the shortest time possible. So we've created a program with short, effective lessons and coaching that you can fit between practice and the rest of life. We coach parents, coaches, and athletes in the mental and emotional health tools they need to create an environment for athletes to thrive. Invest in the one thing that will have the greatest impact on your success, your mind. Check us out at athletesmindsetacademy.com. Let's do this.